Welcome to MPA Connections with me, Lashanti the Siren. This is a podcast to discuss the MPA Connect Network. This network exists to connect MPA managers across the Caribbean. In this podcast, we will be interviewing managers from across the network to show how this initiative is meeting the real needs of managers by tapping into the wealth of real-world experiences. Today on this episode, we are speaking with MPA Connect coordinator, Emma Doyle. <laughs> Hi, Lashanti. It's so good to be with you. Thank you for that great introduction. <laughs> yep, my name is Emma Doyle. I'm the coordinator of the MPA Connect Network. Uh, I work with the Gulf and Caribbean Fisheries Institute and with NOAA's Coral Reef Conservation Program on this fabulous initiative. And it's, yeah, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much for hosting us all. Definitely not a problem. So tell us a bit about yourself, what you do, and how you connect. Oh, oh well, um, I I guess I've always I've always lived by the water. I've always sailed and fished and windsurfed and gone to the beach. Um, I grew up in Australia. My mother loved to fish. Um, so she would, any chance, she would fish and probably she was the one who taught me to fish. My father taught me to sail and to drive a boat and um, to windsurf, even though he didn't really know how to windsurf. <laughs> so I had a background in the water. So when it came to, to came time to studying, um, I studied coastal zone management uh, at Sydney University and focused, focused on uh, the coastal zone, dynamic zone. Um, I then later had an opportunity, my husband and I moved to the Netherlands and I worked there for a while and I decided I really wanted to work more in the marine field, um, an environmental field. I decided to do a master's degree in urban environmental management because all of Australia's cities are on the coasts, our populations are on the coasts. So if you're looking to manage the coast, mm. you really need to take an urban take on that. And it was a really good master of science program uh, run right. through Wageningen uh, Agricultural University, which all everybody from Holland knows, and um, Erasmus in Rotterdam. And it, it was a it was a good, an amazing overview of everything. Uh, it was great, great program. Solid waste, um, water wastewater treatment, regulatory planning, policy management, oh, heaps of stuff. And I didn't I did a, a thesis on um, stakeholder consultation, stakeholder participation in environmental management in a case study in Peru. But anyway, um, I guess I did my I guess I did my masters. I husband and I then were we were in the Netherlands, in Denmark, and then a chance came up to move to um, Venezuela. I knew nothing about Venezuela except I sort of I looked something up and I saw that it had the longest Caribbean coast of any country. I was like, I'm sold. So we um, we then spent I then spent like five or six years in Venezuela and learned had to learn Spanish and nice. I worked for the British Embassy there and I managed the the international cooperation programs in environment and human rights for the British Embassy in um, um, the bilateral. Uh, bilateral co uh, co um, cooperation and sometimes we had multilateral cooperation with other EU countries and I got to know all of Venezuela and all of the great people working in conservation and sustainable development there um, and through that work I actually got to know the SPORE team at UNEP and I got to know Alejandro Acosta at GCFI who is a great Venezuelan working for GCFI mm -hmm. and and People like Paul Hooches in um, the Dutch Islands, and um, through him got yeah. I was I was 
tipped off about some work going through GCFI and CAMPAM by um, Frank Van Slobo in Bonaire, who I have to give a shout out to. Um, be eternally grateful to him, I guess, as we all are grateful to somebody who gets us the foot in the door at the right time in the right place. And, you know, I, I guess I just applied for this work. Alejandro knew me and maybe David Alonso and Paul and a couple of other people. And I was living, had to move to the US and I sadly had to leave. I was gutted to leave Venezuela and the work there. I really loved it, but I've, you know, it's been such a pleasure and, you know, I've been very happy to be able to contribute to GCFI and to, you know, and to work with the amazing people at NOAA. It's not just me at MPA Connect. In our team, we have um, at key people. Uh, we have Dana Wazinik-Mendez, who is NOAA's Coral Reef Conservation Program, the team lead for the Caribbean and for the Atlantic. And Dana, a lot of the people you, I hope who are listening will know Dana. And I'm yeah. hoping she'll close this podcast series for us or speak at some point on the series. Dana's there and has been a great initiator of the network. Um, also Scott Frew. Um, in the Coral Reef Conservation Program and who's worked a lot with NOAA International and has a, brings great international perspective from work in other parts of the world and has been a great proponent and um, so important to us in getting the funding to be able to hold our events and build the network. Um, Christine O'Sullivan at GCFI, is my, she's in Jamaica, she's our project assistant who does, yeah, does a lot of great work, has an eagle eye and um, Bob Glazer and um, Alejandra always there at GCFI um, backing us up and helping make the work possible. So, you know, the GCFI board is all on, are all on board with, with what we're doing with this work and grateful to Noah for making it all possible. And, you know, to the other donors, because there are other important partners who we work with. Too many to name, so many people who've contributed. I couldn't, I don't do it alone and I couldn't do it alone. For sure. And yeah. I love that what you studied in the past and where you grew up and you studied, when you mentioned the urban, you studied urban environments. Urban environmental management. Yes. Interestingly, I should, I should give a shout out to Francis Lean and to Rachel Allen. Francis is actually the current director for Roatan Marine Park and Rachel is in Jamaica. Um, nice. They both did the same program and not at the same time. Well, Rachel was at the same time, but they've done the same program. There may be others in the Caribbean. So anybody get in touch, please, if you Definitely. if you also studied at Wageningen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I definitely think it's interesting because you said you, you decided to do that because you know you lived on the coastal environment when now that you work in the Caribbean with MPA Connect, yeah. the entire, every, I think, Caribbean country or most is probably the more appropriate thing to say, needs that type of background because we are such small countries we're basically all coastal or most of us are basically all coastal and yeah. we're an urban environment. So it fits together so well because these are issues that I think when, when people first lived on the Caribbean islands, you didn't think about it, but we are all coastal and focusing on this urban development and this urban environmental studies is really important. So I think it's interesting that it, you ended up right here in the Caribbean where we needed it the most. <laughs> Thank you, Lashanti. I'm, I'm always, I'm always feeling at home. Happy to talk about cricket and carnivals and, you know, <laughs> no, I, I, thank you to everybody who, who, you know, graciously works with me in the region, all those who, who are on the ground and who are part of our network because, you know, a network is only as good as the people in it. A network is the people who are part of it and, um, yeah, 
Um, so can you tell us what is MPA Connect? What does the network do? Well, MPA Connect is a learning network. So we're a network for marine natural resource managers, especially for coral reef marine protected area managers. And it's a network where they can come together and share experiences, learn from each other, gain some technical support and um, try and build capacity to ensure the really effective management of the sites that they're responsible for in their countries. Nice. What are some of the countries that MBA Connect has in their network? Well, we I work with um, a range of countries around the Caribbean region. Uh, we have 11 countries and territories in total working with us. So let's pop up a map, but I'll talk you through it. Um, look, starting over in Central America, um, start, starting um, with Mexico, we, uh, we work with uh, four sites in Mexico. Um, we work with four sites in Belize. We work with three sites in Honduras. And then if I go over to the other side of the region, we work with the Bahamas, we have four sites. We work with the Turks and Caicos, the UK territory with three sites there that are named as priorities. We work with also another, um, another UK territory, which is the British Virgin Islands. We have three priority areas. And then we have one site in our network that's from the US Virgin Islands, who we include in our, our capacity building efforts. Um, they have a lot to share with us, even though they're in the US territories. And um, that's um, East End Marine Reserve on St. Croix. That's our only US territory at the moment. Then we have um, a couple of Dutch territories. We work with, uh, well, actually we work with um, Sabre and St Eustatius, which are part of the Bess Islands, um, which are a special area of the Netherlands. We also then have um, St Lucia, St Vincent and the Grenadines and Grenada. And I'd better not have left anybody out or that'll <laughs> look really bad because they are all, those countries are all the focus of my work. And they were actually selected, really strategically selected by um, a group of, group of experts associated with MPA Connect back in 2010. And we selected those sites according to a number of key criteria. And, you know, selecting a set group like that was really our solution as to how can we make the most of the small amount of funding that we have to put into this initiative? No, there's something, depending on how you define the Caribbean region, there's something like 40 countries and territories. And, you know, we, without our support being too little on the ground, we decided to focus on these priority locations. We selected the countries um, according to the, the condition of their coral reefs and um, according to whether they, whether those countries also were willing to be part of, an, of international cooperation in relation to um, marine conservation. Um, and there was also an element of the areas being connected to US reefs, uh, recognizing that, you know, our main donor and um, our partner in this initiative is the United States National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Coral Reef Conservation Program. Uh, you know, this is international cooperation, trying to build uh, build um, management of areas that are ecologically connected. You know, the coral reefs, the the fish don't know national boundaries. So we uh, we made this selection of countries, and we then put it to the national MPA managers in those countries to ask to invite them to take part 
and to invite them to nominate sites in their countries that were priorities for them, um, according to also a set of a set of criteria. And um, you know, we're working with places also, you know, where the level of threat to marine natural resources is such that we feel that we can, um, you know, our funding might make a difference over time. So, yeah, so it's, it's a terrific group of countries. You know, we work, yeah, I work in English, Spanish and Dutch. And, um, you know, all those places that I work, you know, they're my VIPs, they're the rock stars of the marine protected yeah. area world. And we, um, you know, we try and try and keep abreast of what they need and try and work side by side with some technical support, some expertise, and just helping them to share the good things they've learned and try and help them with the needs that they have. Right. Well, so, what's your approach to the many needs and issues facing these MPA managers? What is the main well, approach you guys take? We've, we've taken a needs-based approach. Okay. So once we defined this set of countries and territories, and once we identified the priority sites, we invited those managers to take part in um, a management capacity assessment. And so really we're just looking to hear from the managers about what do they need? How are they doing and what do they need? So, you know, what does that management capacity assessment look like? Well, we have, um, we have 20 different aspects of management capacity ranging from financing and enforcement, the big ones, through to stakeholder engagement and partnerships to um, threats related to um, related to climate change resilience, a whole, a whole host, as you can probably see here as I speak, if we put those up. Um, it's 20 different aspects of management. And we asked managers, how are you doing in relation to those topics? We looked at where is their current capacity um, in terms of three different tiers, and we we asked, you know, well, what do you need to do, you know, to to do to raise your your management capacity on each of these things? What do you need? And of right. course, everybody says funding, um, <laughs> so you know, no surprises there. But then we really delved into, well, if you had the funding, what would you use it for? How would you apply that funding? And you know. From that, we've been able to identify what are the needs at each site. We asked managers to prioritise of those 20 things, what are the top three that you need, which was not always right. easy. Um, and we were able to look for where are the common needs across the region, and then we're trying to tackle those needs. So right. the highest priority needs that we've found um, are the things like we've got um, in our top priority, and we can show a list of these. We've got sustainable financing, law enforcement, biophysical monitoring, fisheries management, um, and then management planning and outreach and education are sort of the highest priority needs that we've found across the region. And we did this in 2011, did it in 2017. And I have to give a big shout out to all the managers who sat down with me and my team uh, to do the capacity assessment because they became quite lengthy, but really interesting um, discussion um, times. In some cases, it was, you know, just myself or, or Dana or Scott or Celia who helped with this to sitting down with the manager. In some cases, it was like, 12 people from the management team, from multiple agencies and the staff. So it became quite in-depth, quite an in-depth process and actually really quite a productive discussion time as well. Um, so we learned, you know, that was listening to managers and hearing about what they needed. 
that's the heart of what our approach is. So once we established what were those key areas over the last, wow, it's now like over the last nearly 10 years, we've been addressing each of those needs to say, right, well, let's sit down and we'll do a face-to-face, -face, a peer-to-peer -peer learning exchange all about right. financing or enforcement or management planning or monitoring. You know, <laughs> So we focused on these topics as a group and we've brought together mentors and we've brought together those sites that most wanted to learn about those topics and make progress in those topics. And we brought them together in a series of peer-to-peer -peer learning exchanges. And we've sometimes been able to invite experts or special, special participants to those. Um, you know, notable among those when we talked about outreach and education and, you know, we had like 20 MPA managers from around the region. Um, the team at Cancun, um, Arturo Gonzalez and his former director, Jaime Gonzalez, kindly hosted us in Cancun. And we were able to bring in as experts for that topic we actually brought in two of the junior rangers and their coordinator from Bonaire so that the managers were able to learn directly from the mouths of the of the junior rangers about what's needed to make progress in youth education. So we've done those sort of learning exchanges and that's also where everybody has got to know each other. So right. the managers from around the region and they got a chance to know me, you know, and my team um, to, you know, to get to know each other, to share, to, you know, to maybe ha sit down and have some have some off time together as well, have some time in the field, get to know all our, our network, which builds trust. And, you know, a mm -hmm. network depends on trust and it depends on a level of reciprocity and, and willingness to share and generosity right. to help each other. And so that's mm -hmm. been a really, impo a really important part, I think, of building the network, is getting to know each other, having that's some trust in each other. And, you know, and then... The other part of our approach is that we'll, we don't just get together for a, you know, for a couple of days for a workshop, but during that workshop, where one of the sites, one of the managers shows interest in a particular topic, well, then that's where we're able to, uh, we're able to sort of, to, to design follow-up support so that if somebody really picks up on a new idea that they learn in the, in the learning exchange, well, then we'll try and provide or link and ensure that there's follow-up support so that those managers can go home and test out what they want to do, try out a new approach. And we'll try and put some funding, some mentorship, some expert mm -hmm. assistance behind that so that they yeah. can really do that. And it's only that way with like these, with site-specific follow-up that we're able to, you know, that we're able to um, make progress on the ground. Right. So that's the other part of our of our approach. And I think through all of that, we've really been able to build a nice kind of coherent, really meaningful network and platform for sharing among those who we connect with. And it's not and it's not actually just those that we that are in our, tw you know, our 11 priority locations. In fact, we right. also um, we've also reached out when we've been able to put together some additional, say, travel funding to bring in other managers, well, then we're really, you know, we're always happy to have others from around the region join us, whether it's from Dominica or from Colombia or from, you know, other locations that aren't necessarily priority sites that we identified in 2010. But we've been really pleased to have those people join us. And we've actually had something like, um, like about 
60 sites, um, 60 MPAs, although my, our network is 32 sites in total, yeah. we've actually had about 60 MPAs in total working together, sharing experience and uh, learning from each other in the region. And that includes actually others like um, we've connected with Hawaii um, on enforcement, and you know nice. we have we do have connections outside the region as well. But yeah, up to um, 60, and Guam actually, Sar Sergeant Mark, our enforcement trainer, who was great. So we've had yeah. connections with a number of different other places. So it's not just it's not just our smaller network. Right. Sorry. You know, I think that's really something that I found interesting about the title right mpa connect that it sounds like you're just trying to connect mpas but really you're also connecting these people because if you think about it these marine protected areas are already connected by the ocean so i think it's so exactly. amazing that you're able to foster this mentorship and these relationships with mpa managers because the locations may be different i mean hawaii is all the way in the pacific and the caribbean's in the atlantic but you have some of the same issues choose with some of the similar topics like the financing and the enforcement. So I love that MPA Connect is more than just connecting marine protected areas, but connecting these managers and allowing them to, you know, like you said, build this trust and build a relationship to now share these things and, and trust each other with this information. Because oftentimes, you know, you kind of feel like, mm, well, no one else will understand this problem, but you guys have definitely created a beautiful network that allows them to create bonds outside of even just work. So I think that's amazing yeah well we try you know we have to, we try and be strategic about it and we're very yeah we're very deliberate in how we in how we try and do this you know resources are scarce nobody has enough funding we don't have enough funding to do everything that you know I've got a long list a list of projects on a wish list you know of, of coming out of that that peer -to -peer sharing <laughs> and so we so you know we are strategic mm -hmm. about how we try and build the sharing so when we does when we design um, a peer-to-peer -peer learning opportunity you know we, we know roughly that people want to work on a topic like biophysical monitoring but then we'll when we did the capacity assessment, we gathered a lot of knowledge, a lot of information about what is it that people are doing, what is it that they need, what they're interested in. So we then go back and reflect on that information that everybody told us, and we also go and talk to the potential participants. So we'll identify, you know, for whom it was a priority, talk to them about exactly what do they want to get out of this learning opportunity design it in that way and ensure that we bring in mentors and experts who are going to be able to help with those issues. And then in the follow-up, we try and ensure the linkages with the mentors. And, you know, we're very deliberate about, you know, about connecting people like Joe Villafranco in, at Tide Belize, who's been a fabulous mentor on MPA budgeting. You know, we're very deliberate about where we get him to put his valuable time and effort as to which MPAs he can most help. Um, so, yeah, so it's 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 more than just a social network, although it's always amazing to just get together with people. Right. And actually, when we get together face to face, sometimes those learning exchanges are really they're really good therapy sessions too for everybody because it's a hard job, and sometimes you you know you really do mm -hmm. need to be able mm -hmm. to connect with people. And and some of our managers have really told us how much they've recharged at those sessions, you know, and how valuable they've been in terms of keeping them persevering with it, you know, with what's a difficult job in the world to do. So, you know, my role mm -hmm. in, in that Definitely. sense, if sometimes so why... if I'm a therapist, sometimes if I'm a therapist, great. Um, if I'm a bridge <laughs> to other people, that's great. You know, 
I don't have all the answers and NOAA doesn't have all the answers. GCFI doesn't have all the answers as to how to do effective MPA management. But if we can be a bridge and connect, then, you know, that's our purpose for being. Um, it's, yeah, GCFI's mission is to, com is to communicate best practices and, um, mm -hmm. you know, the network of GCFI is so deep. You know, like my, my knowledge kind of, I'm, a, I'm more of a generalist and my knowledge is about coastal zone management and a bit of marine biology and, you know, generally, <laughs> con, yeah. you know, sustainable development. And it kind of runs a mile wide, but it's only like an, an inch deep. Um, yet I can connect any of our managers right. with somebody whose knowledge runs a mile deep, but it's, you know, it's, it's knowledge that's about this little bit of this specific part of what we mm -hmm. work with. Um, or somebody with a really good experience to share on that little topic. So, you know, that's, I think that's where my role comes in. Yeah. Yeah, you do, you do kind of need that. I like how you said it. You, you are a generalist, so you go a mile across, but you're in doing that able to find people who go a mile down and then connect the people. So then you're creating this web, right? This network yeah. of MPA managers. But and they can, they why, can reach. Why did MPA connect? I was going to say each Sorry. and each MPA manager, you know, they can reach out and finding the right answer or fi finding some input or an experience to learn from or an expert is, you know, it's just like one step away. And that's the beauty of a network yeah. is just bringing within reach what, what everybody needs at the time. Um, and I guess when you talk about being a generalist, that's true of the MPA managers themselves too. You know, they are, because they work on these 20 aspects of management, you know, they have to be. They're teachers, they're policemen, they're accountants, you know, they're biologists and divers and mm -hmm. they're due to be scientific specialists, but they also have to be very socially minded. They have to be diplomats and they have to, you know, they have all the, yeah. they, have, they wear so many hats. It's, it's you know, I, I feel privileged to work with the with the people that I work with because I have so much respect for the roles they play and the jobs that they do as MPA managers, um, you know, plus privilege of working with these really great experts in technical stuff. So, yes. yeah, but sorry, I interrupted. No, that's totally fine. I was just wondering, so MPA Connect has created this amazing network. So why did the network decide to now create this podcast, MPA Connections? Ah, good, que yeah, good question. <laughs> And for the, you know, for the last 10 years, we've, we've had the, the fortune to be able to meet in person. We've done at least one peer-to-peer -peer regional gathering a year. And then some of us, you know, some of the network also have been able to get together at the annual GCFI meetings. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we've had projects going on that have meant that we've had a chance to have learning exchanges together or we've had mentors involved and visiting each other around the region you know so we've had right. good we've had good face-to-face -face contact you know and that's and that's important that's that's really valuable um, now in the current world we've taken things online which has been good to do and I think because we know each other it helps make the online networking more fluid work easily and the only problem I face is that when we get together for a webinar, on a particular topic, or we get together for a video chat, I'm finding, you know, Caribbean people aren't backward in coming forward and participating. And we always need more time. You know, everybody's uh -huh. good at contributing. And so I'm finding that, you know, I, I'll, set a, I'll set a time for a, an online 
session and I'll set it for an hour, an hour and a half. And you're like two, two and a half, three hours later, everybody's still <laughs> happy to be talking. Yeah. And so, and, and I mean, that's great. But, um, you know, I think you really need to, you know, you really need to have time to listen. Um, I'm a great believer in learning by listening. And MPA Connect is built on the premise of hearing managers and what they need and listening to their needs and trying to respond. We're very much a ground up, not a top down initiative. And so having time to listen is really important. And so taking say an hour with a series of MPA mentors and MPA managers who have really interesting stories to tell and really great experience to share, you know, successes and failures, whatever. Um, and some of them have really good jokes as well, better than me. Um, so, you know, I think that's that's where we we'd sort of toyed with the idea of what can we do in terms of, should we be doing newsletters? Should we be doing, you know, I, we need to improve our website. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. We want to be doing regular online sessions together. And, you know, I spend a lot of time catching up with people, but whether it's by WhatsApp or Zoom or Adobe Connect, whatever, but taking the time. Yeah. is really important and I was actually really impressed when I first saw your series of podcasts with the Bahamian conservation community I Thank loved you. what you were doing on that and I'd encourage everybody to go and give Lashanti a follow and check out her Bahamian interviews which actually also were with people who are part of our network like um, like Dr. Lester Gittens at the Department mm -hmm. at the Department of Marine uh, Resources in the Bahamas, like with Eric Carey, the director of the Bahamas National Trust, um, yeah. and with some of the great scientists who we also know in the Bahamas. So good job, Lashanti, and I'm really pleased Thank that you. you agreed to come over and and run this series of interviews um, for a podcast series for MPA Connections. Definitely not yeah. a problem. And you touched on two of the Bahamian examples of people who are in the network. But do you want to maybe in this inaugural episode of MPA Connections, talk a bit about some of the sites and people that we'll be hearing from or even some of the people and topics that we'll be expected to hear yeah. on this podcast? Yeah, sure. Yes. Um, it's And it's really interesting when you think about who are MPA people and yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good question. You know, when I think about who's in our network, it's actually really mm -hmm. interesting that we've got we've got some people who come from quite a few people who come from a teaching background, um, and that probably says something about the nature of the job and the importance mm -hmm. of the social aspects and connecting yeah. everybody. Um, you know, we've got teachers, former teachers like Miss Celia Mahung at Tide Belize, uh, mm -hmm. Mr. Luisito Ayuso um, at Belize Audubon Society, who works especially in livelihoods and outreach. Those, Celia and Luisito are great mentors in our network. Um, uh, to, to, you know, we, we have a, we always lose people. You have people come and go within the network as well. Uh, Mr. Williams is now retired, but at Tobago Keys, he was the, so the man general manager at Tobago Keys, operations manager. Okay. He's, he's now retired, but he was a former uh, high school um, principal. Um, Craig Henry, who was formerly the, uh, the manager at Persepa um, in St. Lucia, he was also a teacher in a past history. Then we've got a bunch of, we've got people who've come from agriculture 
um, David Knowles in um, in the Bahamas comes to mind yeah. as somebody who's strongly agricultural in background. Down in the Grenadines, uh, in St. Lucia, we've got, uh, we had Michael Bob, who was from forestry, and Martin Barito, who's been a key person in the Grenadines, and they're both yeah. kind of forestry and mangrove background. Uh, we've got some great former dive instructors who've become MPA managers, like right. Kai Wolf, uh, Ramon de Leon, who's, who was the manager in Bonaire, who's now helping as a sort of expert on financing, helping our network. Um, Alizé in at the Turks and Caicos Reef Fund, who's working really hard together with government and the MPAs on coral disease. Um, for one thing, um, former manager in Cancun was a dive. So dive sector is important. You know, you tend to think that oh, we must be a network of marine biologists, but in fact, yeah, there's a couple of you know, the, there's a number of good marine biologists who are technical experts. Arturo and Denise in uh, Mexico come to mind, and yeah, Jose Juan, Il Biologote in, in Mexico. Um, sorry, Arturo and Denise in Mexico are important. Uh, we've got biologists in Honduras. Um, we've in, yeah, in Belize as well. Joe, who's such a great financing mentor, is originally um, a biologist. Hampton Gamboa, who's a who's a, one of our enforcement mentors, he was originally a marine biologist too. But we've got you know, what we're, maybe it's the communications and the business side that's the biggest challenge in terms of, in terms of our people. Now, Ellsworth Weir from the Bahamas, he has a background <laughs> in business planning, business yeah. management. And so he's a bit, of, he's a unique one and he's a particularly valuable person because of that unique perspective coming from a private sector in a business world. Yeah. Um, we don't really have any financial experts or you know, anyone with a really that I'm aware of that has a great financial background, um, or really com communication specialists. One of one of my one of our biggest wins in the network and um, in something we've done when we've worked on communications, we've worked with a lady who's the manager of the Grenada Broadcasting Network, Odette Campbell, mm -hmm. and um, and also her, Arisha Joseph used to work in um, at sustain director at Sustainable Grenadines used to be the, a, a journalist was even reading the news. You know those two are on wow. television, were and are on television, and both of them have have got involved with what we do and they've come over to our side. So <laughs> Arisha is now full time on sustainable management and conservation, and nice. um, Odette went away to the UK and did a master's degree on journalism, environmental journalism after being involved with us. So that's good. Uh, and of, of course, we've got one standout in the region, um, Elizabeth Taylor, who was formerly the director at uh, Coralina and manager of the of the region's biggest MPA, Seaflower Biosphere mm -hmm. Reserve in San Andres, Colombia. Yeah. She became a, an ambassador for Colombia and has been based in Kenya for a number of years. Um, wow. So MPA managers can go places for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and very think, far you know, places. <laughs> yeah. I mean, military, we've got, um, uh, you know, there are a couple of park rangers who've come from a military background, which is actually really, really good for their skills. Yeah. Uh, we've even got an MPA manager in Roatan, Francis, who uh, came from managing a military site in Africa to return to Honduras to work as manager of Roatan, director of Roatan Marine Park. So it's a, real, it's a really interesting mix of people. 
Uh, we even have there's like three flight control, former flight controllers, former air traffic controllers who are in our network. So, uh, you know, give a shout out to Jessica and Davon and Mr. Pontine in uh, in Montserrat. They're, you know, really interesting backgrounds. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. And, you know, there's no school for being an MPA manager. And maybe yeah. there really shouldn't, maybe there doesn't, maybe there shouldn't be because it's just too, it's too much of an ask. Um, you know, I think, yeah, being a generalist and, and just connecting this diversity of experience and perspectives is is amazing. So when it comes to who we'll talk to, yeah, we, we've got a list of invitees who we, we're targeting to see if they'll willingly accept. I hope yeah. they'll take up the invitation to share with everybody and to speak in depth. Uh, you know, you're such an easy person to talk to and you, you I know you'll bring out the best in everybody and um, so. if the siren we'll, manager. That's it, siren, siren manager. The, magic. Um, <laughs> siren magic, that's it. Sprinkle some Lashanti magic. But we've got, uh, we've got a number of mentors who we formally identified in the MPA Connect network. And originally we identified them because they expressed in the capacity assessment that they were actually at tier three and had the, the sort of the highest level of management capacity in our assessment. So we've got some great, great experts in financing and enforcement coral monitoring, in livelihoods, outreach and education, um, yeah. management planning, and in these topics, pollute, dealing with pollution, um, yeah. water pollution. Um, there's no, we've got, there's some really good experts to talk, uh, I'm called, I'm referred to them as experts, but they're really, they're mentors who, you know, are generous enough to share their, their good experience and to speak freely and to, you know, to, they're so willing to help their colleagues. You know, everybody's, Everybody's in the same boat. Nobody wants to reinvent the wheel, really. So we'll target, we're targeting some mentors. We're sort of targeting different different um, perspectives around the region. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that we'll do, that we'll make something happen also in Spanish. Para los que hablan o prefieren hablar en español, que logramos entrevistar a ustedes también. Um, lo que puede ser super interesante para alguien para que aprendan de la Shanti cómo hacer un podcast. Eso también puede ser una, un aspecto nuevo de la capacitación. So we'll see if we set that up in Spanish too. And um, <laughs> yeah, there's some really interesting stories from around the network though. So I hope we'll, I hope we'll be able to feature those. I think we'll definitely yeah. get some really good stories. I'm sure whoever is able to yeah. will give us something that would be really useful. I'm very excited to speak with a lot of the people that we have on that list, some of which who I know, I know will have great stories, some of the topics even yeah. I'm interested in. So it's definitely going to be a great podcast. So anyone listening, you have to follow MPA Connect. You know, you got the Facebook and Instagram right down there. And stay tuned because these podcasts will be coming out very quickly yeah. after each other. And, and let me know and and let us know. If, <laughs> let us know. So there are some people who I will target, who I'll ask, and, yeah. um, you know, probably to get the, to get also interesting stories. You know, we have, we've got some really large MPAs in the network. Um, uh, um, our largest is Arrecife Alacranes in Mexico at over mm. 3,000 square kilometres. Um Sabre Bank is also one of our largest turn F at all, Caios Cochinos, they're among our large MPAs. Then we've got some very small MPAs like um, Hans Creek, 
um, a fisheries protection area in the BVI and Tortola, um, like Molinaire Beausejour MPA in um, Grenada. Um, we've got some older established sites, you know, that date from um, some of the earliest days, like Belize Audubon Society's Half Moon Key dates from the early 80s. Yet we've got younger sites that, um, that date from, say, 2010, like Sandy Island Oyster Bed um, or Sabre Bank. You know, we've got a mix of maturity and a mix of um, um, so size, maturity, and sort of also organisational size, you know, which sites have large teams. We have some sites that are managed by government departments. We have others that are managed by national trusts or or organisations that manage terrestrial and marine sites. And then we've right. got some very specific smaller MPA, uh, NGO MPA co-managers. So we've got like this whole range of different organisational approaches. And so we should touch on those. And yeah, if anybody's uh, willing and keen to be profiled or, you know, to take part in this series and to be featured in this series, then and have that for your records as a good communications output that you can share with people about your work, then please get in touch. We can do as many as Lashanti has time for. <laughs> I will definitely make time for any extra that come on. It's definitely important to get these kinds of stories out. Um, people who may not be in the network or just learning about the network, they can benefit from this. MPA management is around the world as we work to save our oceans and protect our marine resources across the world. You know, a lot of issues are happening right now in the globe and we definitely should try to share these stories and experiences to help make the ocean yeah. a better place. Yes, um, it's, it's really important stuff that everybody works on. You know, and it's becoming increasingly important every time there's a new emerging issue that's affecting the Caribbean, whether it's sargassum or coral disease, you know, that's it's important stuff we work on. We're looking at sustainability of sources of protein for communities, um, you know, it's national economies that are at stake that are depending on MPAs as an effective fisheries management tool in many places. Um, yeah, it's, this is, it's important stuff. I, you know, I feel like we, we really, we, we all have a stake in making sure that our protected areas are successful in what they set out to do. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on this episode, Emma. It was so great to have you do this initial episode. Of course, MPA Connect is this network and MPA Connect is now this podcast. So you being the coordinator for the network was the perfect person to have on this first episode. And to all the viewers, thank you for tuning in to this episode of MPA Connections. Again, a huge thank you to our guest, Emma Doyle. Make sure you follow the work of MPA Connect on their Facebook page and on their Instagram page. This is where you can find out about more episodes about this podcast. And again, follow all the work that's been happening in the past and the work that's to come for the future. So see you next time on MPA Connections. Thanks, Lashandi.